I was listening to somebody that was from Pittsburgh, and they just had such an unmistakable Pittsburgh accent. And they were like having a... You mean everybody that calls every sports talk show here? Yeah, I know, but this was like somebody outside of Pittsburgh. And they were just like Dan and Dan and at. And I was like, oh, yeah. Okay, do you think... Hold on. Do you think that a radio talk show or and or a TV place, right? Do you think they would not hire someone... Or do you think they would send them to like a training, like a vocal training program to teach them how to say the accent? Like, which one do you think is more likely you're not hired or you have to go to training to get the dan tang? Well, if you can't speak, what would be the point of hiring you? Like, what about the person would make you want to shell out the money to get them vocally trained? No, what I'm saying is like they don't have the accent. Like they don't have the accent, right? Like, the, but they're they're really good at what mm-hmm. they do. You know, they're a really good like commentator, or they're really good oh, at okay, like okay, analyzing okay. See, sports or something like that. But they just don't have the the, the draw. They just probably send them down to Southside for a little bit down there. Go fatheads. Who's from Pittsburgh? That's famous. Myron Cope. <laughs> <laughs> Yoy. No, like that's uh, double I'm just trying to think. There has to be an ex ex athlete, um, stealer or pirate or somebody that that's a commentator that's from Pittsburgh, right? Got them all in Swanee. Swanee's <laughs> sure, um, from California. Yeah, and I was gonna say I would Terry Bradshaw, but he's from Louisiana. I just don't think there's anybody famous from Pittsburgh that's a former athlete that's from Pittsburgh. They might have played in Pittsburgh. Like that's not locally famous, like Tunchilkin. Marino, Pittsburgh dad. Yeah, 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 yeah. Marino kind of has a Pittsburgh accent. He does a little bit. That's a good one. But ever since he had that love child, he got kicked off NFL Today or whatever. Oh so. my gosh! It just—I yeah. mean, it's—it's it's like <laughs> it just keeps getting worse. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I'm not making these people do these things. I know mm. you're not. I'm just saying it keeps getting worse. Oh. Do we even do the intro thing anymore or not? Every time I say it, I feel so dumb because it's like, welcome to herd immunity where you can be heard. And like, you don't move it to a different part of the episode. (laughs) It's like 50 minutes in and it's just so dumb. (laughs) Oh, okay. So anyway, um, I'm, I'm playing my first ever uh online this is not what i want to talk about by the way i do have a real topic at some point i'm playing my first ever online group fantasy yeah that's how many qualifiers there are role-playing game uh through whatsapp comments thoughts what (laughs) why (laughs) oh man how like a video? It's because he got rid of all his social media, but go ahead. Keep going. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So somebody in, somebody took uh, like a board game, I guess, that you would play like, um, I guess it'd be like, uh, not magic really, but like war and magic put together. So it's like King Arthur and there are like quests and stuff, but you don't actually do anything on them. You just vote on them. Um, anyway, this guy took it and made it into an online version where it's basically run through a chat. Tyler, this isn't getting any better. So come on. I mean, you need to you need to square this circle pretty fast because you, okay. What are, so, so what, what are you, you doing? So you you dress up like your character and you take a video of yourself running around like you're on a horse with a but it's a broomstick. No, you do not. <laughs> <laughs> what's the movie? What's the movie about the um, the kids who would role play the medieval 
like night games. I think Paul Rudd's in it. Oh, oh gosh, it? yeah, Ready and Sean one. William Scott, like, uh, no. uh, um, like chaperone. Or I don't remember what it is, but um, this feels like this this movie. Okay, keep going. Toy Soldiers. Um, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Um, so then you have to talk in like a medieval accent. Oh, just tell me what actually happens. Like <laughs> a, a text message is sent out. What then? What happens? Or a WhatsApp message sent out? Okay, so someone's nominated. Okay, so there's ten people. Someone's nominated as the king. Five are good and five are evil. But you start out not knowing what who anybody else is. Do you know what you it's, are? You know what you are, and that's it. So there's a there's a dungeon master or a there's king a dungeon of- master that's outside of the game. So there's okay. ten people. Is this uh... and then the main dude? Okay. That it's like is this mafia? Yeah, sure. It's like the narrator kind of thing. It's like Clue, okay. but you have teams. You know what I mean? Mm. And so they'll say like, okay, the first mission, this person like Corey's the king, and then Corey will nominate um, like the first round. It's three people. <laughs> And then every all ten people vote whether to to approve or deny the mission. And if it's approved, then just those people that are on the mission vote to succeed or fail. So if you're good, you could vote. Like certain characters have to vote to succeed, um, or no, all good characters have to vote to succeed. But the evil characters can choose what they want to do. So you can't just look at who voted. Well, they don't reveal who voted what. Okay. Okay. So they reveal who they, they reveal who approved or rejected out of all 10 people so that you can kind of get a hint for like, try to strategize why someone would approve or reject based on who the team is. But then they don't reveal who, who on the team voted to fail. So you can't tell who's, who's evil based on that. So then you like make side chat groups or whatever and try to try to strategize it out. It's like, um, I thought it would be uh, fun, <laughs> interesting. You know what this sounds like? What? Something I'm not gonna ever do. It's it's, uh, <laughs> it's just way too. People are like throwing out odds. Like, well, there's an 86 percent chance that this person is, is. Are you serious? Lancelot, because blah blah blah, and I'm just like, I don't know how you get any of that from a chat. But how deep? How deep into this are you, Tyler? Uh, second round of it. So. I'm, um, but it, I'm basically ruining it for everyone. <laughs> when you say second round, do you mean you've already played like an entire campaign and now you've started a second campaign? I was on the good team and we won. And so I thought, well, you can't go out that way. You gotta, when you, you know, it's like Vegas. If you, if you hit once, you're going to hit again. So you just, obviously, yes. Up. Um, and you know, so we're going to save Guinevere. And it's going to be great. So how did, I think I might have heard something about this before, but who, who started, like why? Well, who started this and then uh, how was everybody like, yeah, I'll do that? It was started by uh, a bunch of druids uh, in the 900s. And so there's a mm. there's a goat blood sacrifice you have to do at the beginning. But other than that, it's totally okay. And that's innocuous. where that's where everybody shares their WhatsApp. But like, that was when everybody originally yeah. shared their WhatsApp handle. Well, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's what I've been occupying my time with. How much? How much of your week does this take? Oh, uh, does it? Uh, an hour total? Should it? I mean, it depends on if you ask the people that are really serious about it. They spend like a long time agonizing over it. I was going to say, what do you think the maximum time somebody puts into it, it, just with the people you play, what do you think the maximum time they put into it versus what the minimum time? 
I mean, a guy reinvented all the rules for playing it online, so that whatever that would take. Uh, I mean, like hours a day. I don't know, two, three hours a day, probably. Okay. I here's the thing. I like games or or um, like whether they're board games or like real life. You know, like um, I, I don't know what's what's like Pictionary. That's not like a board game. What would you call that? Just a game game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I like games that you have to use some sort of like diversion or like trick people, you know, to, to try to try to make them think one thing or whatever. Um, when it's really the you know like Clue or that kind of thing. Yeah. But uh, th- this is just way too much. And with ten people, that at least seven of them are fully invested in it. There's like, I'll I'll grab my phone and I'll have fifty one WhatsApp messages, no. and I can't read through all. Of them. Oh. Yeah, and so I can't read through all of them trying to discern like who's throwing people off and who's good and who's evil. It's just, and so then I get stressed out because I, if I I can't do it well. And, like, I don't care about winning. I care about messing it up for everyone else. So if I can't do it well, then it just stresses me out. So this will be my last round. How long will this probably last in total? So it's supposed to last 21 days, up to 21 days. Because it would be, like, everybody has 24 hours to vote on this. And then if it moves forward, uh-huh. then the group has 24 hours to vote on that. And so there's it's best out of seven. So a total of seven quests. And so... You know, it could go if everyone took three day. If every vote took a day, mm-hmm. it would be three days per quest, okay. and uh, that would be twenty one days. But the last one was like eight days or seven days. All right, I'm glad I'm not doing that. On a better note, I did play Nintendo Switch outside today. Yeah, and that was way cooler. I've never played a Nintendo Switch, so I don't know anything about Nintendo Switch. So how you play outside is you take your two kids, and one of them says he's Mario. And then you are Toad, and the other one is Bowser, who's called Browser. Um, and Browser has to take the colored baseball and set it out back. Or no, it was an owl from the garden and set it out back. And then uh, the two good guys have to try to steal it before Bowser freezes them with his freezing stick. Oh, this is not what I thought you meant when you said you played Nintendo yeah. Switch Mm-mm. outside at all. Yeah. That was yeah. a that was a turn. You played, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gotcha. Played, played Super Mario Bros., Donkey Kong, and Super Yoshi Bros. So No way. Yeah, the trifecta. That actually sounds like a that, that's a fun that's a fun afternoon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that actually sounds really great. I support that afternoon. I do not support your text your WhatsApp messaging game as much. Mm-mm. So okay, so I feel like we've calmed down a little bit. So I'm gonna pose I'm gonna I'm gonna say a statement. And then I just want to get your guys' reaction to it. Because I've believed, I felt like this is true for a long time. But I don't think that I've ever said it to anybody seriously. I think that all of our subjective experience, meaning everything that's kind of specific to us. So like, take, take out our previous conversations about what objective reality is. But like, let's say we all agree that the sky's blue and the grass is green and whatever. We all generally know what green and blue are. Your subjective experience, the things that make you you, all of them, every single thing, uh, is on a spectrum. There's no binary choice in life um, for you. And that doesn't mean like, are you going to go inside or outside? I don't know, I'm both inside and outside. I mean like, the things you like, the things you do, the things you are, they're all on a spectrum. Are you saying... Nothing of truth, though, just 
our decisions on preference or desires. Yeah, like I'm not saying you can't you can't say you're both inside and outside, or you're on a spectrum of partially inside and outside, or like the sky and the. But you're saying there is an inside and outside that's objective. You're just saying like. So, for example, um, I don't think that someone either is or is not an alcoholic. I think you can be an alcoholic, but I think that everybody exists on a spectrum. So, like, if you're not an alcoholic, that doesn't that's not a binary choice. So, so maybe alcoholic is one is ten on a scale of one to ten, but everybody is on that scale. So, every let's just say it like that: everything in life is on a scale of mm-hmm. one to ten. So you're not either gay or not gay. You are attracted to men or women on a scale of one to ten. You are not an alcoholic. You're either, you know, you might have a problem with one drink or ten drinks or drinking every day or whatever. It's somewhere from zero to ten or one to ten, whatever you want to say. Everything is that way. If you're on one of the very ends of the scale, like how does your percentage break up? Is it like I'm... 100% 100% not alcoholic and 0% alcoholic or is there always some level of the other in there there's there's always some level of the other in there because just because so you might say a zero is I don't drink at all right teetotaler but that doesn't mean that you wouldn't be predisposed to alcoholism if you did drink it just means you choose not to drink right so is a much less um dramatic version of this like somebody saying like i like pizza where on the one scale or on the one end of the scale they don't like pizza at all but if they had to eat it they would eat it to not die and on the other end of the scale they would eat pizza every day right and then everybody exists somewhere on that scale they would eat pizza every day and and even at some point they would get a little bit sick of it but they would still do it that's what i was thinking so there's a little bit of the other in every I mean, I fundamentally don't have a, I don't have a problem with this, but I'm trying to push, I'm trying to figure out where it, where it stops. Like, cause you've already said it doesn't exist for like, I'm sitting in this chair right now. I mean, you you could be a jag off and say that, but that's like, that's one of those arguments that no one wants to like quantum mechanics says that I'm both sitting in this chair and not sitting in this chair if no one's looking at me. But like, that's, that's not a real life argument. Like no one's making that argument. So where, where are the boundaries of this? I guess why I started thinking of it is, um, you know, usually you guys turn it into a Bible study and I try to bring it back, but I guess I'll do it this time. Um, is that like when I was thinking about the whole however many eons ago now, it seems like with gay marriage and stuff. And I was just thinking like it was such a big issue that people talked about all the time. And I was thinking like, you know, just a lot of talk about like who's gay, what's gay, transgender, like all the LGBT, the whole spectrum. And people were just talking about all that stuff and like, not even necessarily all negative, but just who is in this category and who is in that category. And I was just thinking about it like people are so much more complex than what we want to put them into. And even some of the people that are saying these things, if they would just stop and like take stock of their own life, would realize that they're probably somewhere on a spectrum of things that might make them reassess how they spoke about certain things. And so I just think from a, from like the world's perspective, obviously, is like, we, we see this all the time. Categorize people, push them to one slot or the other, and then move on. Um, and, and generally that means like, well, if you're a Christian, you're a bigot, and you all these things, whatever, I can move on. I don't need to listen to you, right? Um, but even Christians, I think, do that with with the rest of the world. And so 
that was one of the things. That's where I first got the idea. It was like five years ago with the burger fell. That's where I first kind of got the idea. Um, but it, it, I, the more issue, like social issues that have been happening, the more I just feel like it applies to everything. Hmm. And I actually feel like it's a good application because it can help you gain stock of like what you're actually saying and who you're saying it to. Um, but I, um, I don't think that's unreasonable. But I didn't know if there was a boundary that you guys could see that that doesn't work. Because like I said, I've never really discussed this with anybody. It, I mean, it makes sense to me. Like, so let's think about, you know, somebody says, how do you feel about X? Or what's your opinion on X? And I think there are certain issues where I feel more strongly about them. So that would put me on one of the poles, right? Of, I think our brains, I think our, our you know, from a cognitive perspective, our brains want us to be, have clear categories. I don't think we actually have clear categories. So I think this is getting at what your, what your point is, Tyler. I think we are somewhere near those categories. Potentially we are in categories, but I think it's easier for our brains to wrap around the fact that we have categories and to put somebody in a certain category. Mm. But the like where it breaks down for me is, I feel like it's really hard to do that with everything. Like you kind of you get tired, you know what I mean? Like as a as a human, you get tired. So it's like I can't be on a on a scale or on a spectrum for every little thing because my brain just doesn't it can't process. I or I shouldn't say it can't. Um, I don't want to process that many things that way. So it's easier for me to just pick a bucket and just go with it. Think of like uh, economic practices or like different types of governments. So say you're a socialist. Are you either like, can you be a little socialist or a lot socialist? I mean, you can maybe agree, be ardent. But at some point you have to draw the line and say, okay, I'm not a socialist and I agree with this other thing more. So where's that line? And is the opposite of socialism then, you know, um, I believe in democracy, or is it something else? And so is it always bipolar, or could there be... Well, like, okay, so if you're... Yeah, but, so, okay, so you just said bipolar. Is are, is is bipolar a spectrum? Like, like what's defined bipolar? Because to me, it just means you, you're manic depressive. But is that is there more to the definition than that? No, no, no. I yeah, I get what you're. I get what you were making in the previous point, but since you brought that up, I just started thinking about it. It, it, it like even meant. Is there a thing to mental health that's the same kind of component? Well, actually, okay. So I would agree that everybody. I don't know that everybody experiences manic stages like uh, like someone with bipolar would, but everybody has ebbs and flows of their emotions to a certain degree. But they've recognized a threshold over a certain amount of time when they oscillate between these two thresholds of manic and depressive and that 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 creates a trend or a pattern then you're able to say okay there's a there's a consistent behavioral pattern here that signifies um that these behaviors are outside of the norm or they're outliers but for them this this is not an outlier this is the normal thing it but at the same time, I'm saying that if these are the two lines and you oscillate down here, depressive, 
below this line for so many days and then up here above this line for so many days, someone has to, but everybody else is bouncing in between these two lines. That means that everybody is a little bit of right. something, you know, experiences, emotions, but there's also a normal range of emotion that is not um, a problem, I guess, or, yeah. you know what I mean, is not, uh, has not reached the level of, like, diagnostic significance or something right so i like i guess the simplistic version is that everybody could be a little bit paranoid or everybody could be a little bit depressed mm -hmm. like not in the way mm -hmm. uh, you know obviously with mental health these terms get used and overused so much that it's unfair to people that actually have sure. like everybody's depressed everybody's add but like that's just that's just a way to say i don't feel good okay here's where it breaks down for me you can't be a little christian a little bit christian or a little bit not okay so wait before we go to the christian thing can we just just a, a just a kind of a thought on the mental health thing. Do you think that everybody can anybody could be on a spectrum of say uh, like a paranoid uh, paranoia kind of deal, or you're either paranoid or you're not? Like could you could if you experience? Oh, I think you could be on a spectrum. So like you could experience times of paranoia, but those might be one-off events that anybody could experience. Yeah. What I'm saying is all the time there's just an underlying current of a little bit of that that hasn't gone far enough for you to be actually classified in that way. Is that Do you think that's a fair statement or not? I think so because it could not be disruptive to your life. You could still be – I think where paranoia becomes an issue is when it becomes non-rational. Uh, and maybe all of it is to a certain degree non-rational, but at least – there's a still a part of you that says, okay, I know this isn't real. This is, you know, it's bothering me or whatever. So that should hold true for OCD, for depression, for ADHD. I mean, any, any anything, right? As long as it's not sure. whatever the clinical diagno diagnosis of disruption or, or whatever. Mm -hmm. Okay. Corey, any thoughts on mental health before we move on? Not, not mental health, but the, I think I get behind the two bars where you oscillate in between those or you can exist somewhere in between those, but then mm -hmm. there is a threshold that you can pass or surpass. Mm -hmm. uh, like if you combine that idea with the idea that not everything is two poles, right? But there are potentially multiple different options around the same yeah. context area. Um, I think I can, I think I can, get on board with most things uh, and, and the reason I'm, I'm i'm avoiding trying to go like all things is because i, I haven't thought of it long enough to know if there's an exception to, to what i'm thinking mm -hmm. but i think most things yes tyler can exist the way you're the way you've described them okay so you want to josh you want to say what you said again about christianity well yeah i mean i just think of like jesus saying like you can't be lukewarm and so, like, you've either received Jesus as your Savior or you haven't. Like, there's not, like, you know, I mean, you could you could have predispositions or maybe God's drawing you. And so you have sensitivities or an inclination or a proclivity towards Christianity. But it, you can't be like, well, I mean, you could be a Christian and... I mean, obviously, we don't know everybody's heart and how God works in every situation. So maybe you could be a Christian that's like um, uh, very stale or stagnant or whatever you want to call it. And they're not really doing 
anything and, and I don't understand, or maybe they're not a Christian, but I think from our perspective, it will be hard for us to tell what well, it is. It's impossible for us to tell who are legitimately believers or not. But at the in the end of it, though, you either are or you aren't. You're not like, oh, I'm a little bit of a non-believer or I'm a little bit of a believer. I'm a skeptic. Like in the end, there's no, there's not, you know, skeptical believers, I guess is what I'm saying. Like, yeah, I don't know. That seems like a pretty black and white thing for me. So what would you say about Pascal's wager? Well, so he's, you know, so him essentially saying we, we don't know if it's true or not. So our best bet is to live like it were true and then we haven't lost anything. What I would say is just living like it is different than believing it. And so if you literally, I don't, I don't know. I mean, understand what he's saying and it might be nice in principle, but it doesn't really matter unless in, along with living like it comes receiving and believing Jesus Christ. So Um, what if you don't believe, what if you can't, what if you want to believe it, but you can't? Oh man. If it was as easy as Pascal's wager, everyone would just wager to be a Christian, mm-hmm. right? Unless they had a personal bent against God for a, a personal reason like mm-hmm. suffering or, or whatever. Suffering in the world. Yeah. That kind of stuff. Or they don't let, agree with the teachings of Christianity because it infringes on their lifestyle. Or, right, right. You know, whatever. So what was your question again? What if you what if you want to believe but you can't? Okay. Like when you would you yeah. agree that doubt exists on a spectrum? Yeah. Yeah, I think Christians can doubt. I think sometimes the Lord allows us or uses doubt in order to draw us deeper to Him. So how much doubt makes you not a Christian? I think that, it, well, I don't know. I mean, until you maybe say, I don't believe this, and maybe you never believe this. What if you want to, but you can't? But you can't what? what like, so you want to believe, but you can't what? Believe it. That, like, Jesus is the Messiah? That God's real. Let's say you were raised in a Christian home, or you were taught that for your whole life, or you went to a Christian school, or whatever, mm-hmm. and it all sounded really nice, and people gave you all these, like, you know, we, we look at all these apologetic things, mm-hmm. and people gave it people gave you all these apologetic things, and you're like, yeah, man, that all sounds great. I really want that to be true. I just don't think God exists, and I don't know why. I really want him to. Yeah, as a pastor, I've had experience with this with people. Um, definitely. And what I've found in most cases is people who have come to me and said, I want to believe, but I can't. And I come to church every Sunday. I do this and this and this. There's generally one or two issues that they're stuck on. And the ones that I've dealt with have been science related. Um, and, and people... Um, not willing, I think, to do. If I feel, some of them feel like not that they want to, but they have God in a gotcha with what they've heard or learned, and for whatever reason, they can't let it go. Um, so I've never really met someone who says I want to believe, but I just can't without there being some type of. Um, antecedent or or prior event that has that they cling on to more than they do to there's no like blank slate person i guess is what i'm saying that's so you're saying determinism is true (laughs) well i know geez um so so you know what i'm saying so so 
and, and in those cases, those areas is where we go and do the work. And I think really what it is, is I want to believe, but this sounds really rational. And my, by me rejecting this, and, and a lot of times it's not even rejecting it. It's seeing how it actually harmonizes with scripture um, that allows people to kind of break free from that. And so if I, I would generally say to people, if you're coming to church every Sunday, you're coming to all of our Wednesday night stuff, and you say you want to believe, but you just can't then I would say it's a pretty good bet that God's working on you and drawing you, and we need to locate what's going on at the heart level. Um, so uh, would you say they're not a Christian then? Uh, yeah. I mean, if they haven't res- made a personal decision to receive Christ as their Savior, I would say if you have done that and then you hear things and it's causing you great doubt, I don't think that you're not, you can lose your salvation. And so I don't think Scripture teaches us that. And so um, if they've... You know, obviously, at the same time, though, we don't know if everybody really received Christ when they made their decisions. Like, I don't know people's hearts. So, in my estimation, though, if that was a genuine reception of Christ when they when they prayed, or um, then then that doubt is somehow working to um, to, to to draw them closer to the Lord for their spiritual good and well-being even when we can't see it uh, at the moment and and God is using it to to carry out the the full purpose of his his plan from eternity past so yeah I I would say they're a believer and struggling with doubt if they've never received Christ and they say they can't believe then I would say okay well then they're probably not a believer and I would agree with them and then do what I can and the power of the Holy Spirit to help them come to see and believe. So you don't think it's a spectrum? No, I, I, I didn't hear that. I didn't hear him saying I don't think it's a spectrum. Go ahead, Josh. If if we're looking at, if we're looking at it as a spectrum of being drawn from unbeliever to believer, like if a negative ten is so far from the Lord and ten is receiving Christ, um then yeah that could be on a spectrum but i'm saying in in the reality of things at a slice of time you either are or you aren't a christian um so unless you get to 10 on that spectrum of being drawn to the lord where you receive christ so so i'm not what i'm saying is there's not gradations of being in the body of christ or not you either are or you aren't there might be gradations of being drawn to the Lord by the Holy Spirit, but you got to reach that threshold where you flip over to the, to the other side. Um, and so while there may be gradations of Christians after you've, in terms of sanctification and spiritual growth, and I'm not saying that one's more important than the one person's more valuable than the other, um, uh, but this is just insofar as they're growing. I think there might be on either side of this dividing line gradations, but there's no person straddling. It's like you're indoor or outdoor. You're not. You're you're not half a Christian, half not. Okay, so the way I see this spectrum, um, and I do see it more as a spectrum, Tyler, than I see it as a as a black and white. But here's the way I see it as a spectrum, right? So if you think about the bottom end of the spectrum, 
um, where, or let's, let's do it left and right. If you think about the left-hand side of the spectrum, right, that would be the unbeliever. They are clearly an unbeliever. They do not claim to try to be any kind of a Christian. They do not promote anything biblical. They actually denounce everything biblical, right? Like they, they are as far to that left-hand side as you could possibly be. Then what Josh is talking about is, in my mind, there is a line that you cross mm-hmm. or a, a part that you go through where now you start to go, I still don't believe, but I'm open to talking about it. I still don't believe, but like, okay, what are your arguments? I still don't believe, but I'll at least read some of the Bible. Like, uh, you know, it's like I'll, I'll at least entertain these ideas. And that exists, and I think that they, that can that's a very wide <laughs> band, if you will, right? Like, so there's the clear on the left, there's a very wide band of what you believe, how you believe, right? And then I think on the very far right, there's the side where you've, you've clearly crossed over, you've accepted Christ as your savior, you've done it in, um, I don't have a better way to say it, but like good faith, like you've done it actually. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's made a personal impact on your life. Um, and then I think that right-hand side there, right, ties into the sanctification and becoming more holy perspective. But I don't think there is a not holy – well, how should I say this? I, don't, I think there's a scale of holiness, like, that you don't ever reach mm-hmm. holy. Like, you just reach more, more holy, if you will, or more mm-hmm. sanctified, if you will, um, as you go up – to the right so it's like almost as if um uh, stairs is a bad analogy but like that's the only thing i can think of where it's like you're clearly you know not then you're entertaining and as you get more towards um acceptance then you you move into acceptance and then you move into well okay i'm accepted uh, i've accepted now but i can be accepted and not caring about anything Mm-hmm. Right, like so, I can be a follower of Christ and not care about anything at all, not do anything at all, not pay any attention to the Bible, but I've legitimately in my heart prayed the prayer, right, accepted Christ into my heart, and then there's the other, like you can move, continue to move further to the right, and it's you know, and you're becoming, you're showing fruit, you're doing you're you're more of a i guess for lack of a better word biblical christian mm-hmm. if that's like where mm-hmm. you're doing what the bible tells you that you're supposed to do as a christian so that's that's my perspective on the christian side of it Ty. and i agree a lot with what Corey just said just throwing that out there i can't uh i can't i really wanted to make that <clears throat> i really wanted to be contrarian on that but i don't think that i can be so is there anything else that you would say is like, I guess as a Christian, that's what you would hold to being really the only thing in your whole life that is, <laughs> depending on if you're a Calvinist, I guess, but dep- that, that's like the only thing in your life that you make a decision about that never changes, right? Like even something silly, like I like chocolate ice cream, no, I like vanilla ice cream. Like you're never going <clears> to <throat> necessarily settle on, like you might even be allergic to something, right? Like, oh, I'm allergic to eggs but I love mayonnaise. That doesn't mean you don't like mayonnaise just because you can't eat it. So, like, I don't think there's anything. 
somebody told me this once and it was i think it was in high school or college it was somebody from back home but um and it was all it was about dating <laughs> but it, it was just very funny and, and very very true they said like you know people always want to rate like girls want to rate guys guys want to rate girls on a scale of like one to ten or whatever i go oh, she's a ten you know um but he said there's really only ones and zeros <laughs> he said he said it's all binary mm. and and the person you're talking to at that moment is either a one or a zero, depending on who else is at the party or where you are or what, you know, specific thing. Like you might think you don't like blondes, but then you're at this party and the, the most attractive girls are blonde or whatever. So that was his point was like ones and zeros, <laughs> um, which is like very true. I think, you know, it's it's true in a lot of things. Like You might be even just be friends with someone that you met at some social event that you wouldn't go up to necessarily on the street and uh or you might not even run in the same social circles except for this one thing like you know like even what i found is like having kids their activities lead you to talk to parents that you end up being friendly with at least that you probably have nothing in common with other than that but they end up being nice people so that's like the ones and zeros thing uh yeah it's like the biggest it's like the biggest foot in your mouth is to say like i'll never whatever and it's like you you can't say that because the context can change or the scenario can change to where now you're going i never thought i would yeah but here i am mm-hmm. kind of kind of a situation so i agree with that Ty. i'm trying to i'm trying to push the boundaries on it and say like what would it be what would be one another one that i could do the same thing with christianity on yeah i don't know i mean i've met i've met personally met now um more than i ever thought guys that left their wives for a man so like that's not a decision for all time um so like I, I just don't know what else it would be, and even within that, because I, I don't know why that's just the most blatant example to me. But like to like parse that even a little bit more, like I still don't think that's going from that's not going from zero to ten, to me. That's like you were a seven, always, and you just lived like a two, and then all of a sudden you just gave in to being a seven. Now. To them, they don't think it's giving in, right? It's just living their true self or whatever you want to say. We would we would say it's maybe not that. But um, so to me, even it's it's not, again, it's it's not ones and zero. Anything is a one and zero in that moment in time. That doesn't mean you're either a zero or a 10 unless you're talking about, like Josh said, that specific slice of time. Like today, whether I like pizza or not, I'm a, I'm a zero or a one. I either like it or I don't. But even if I say that I like it, I'm not a 10, mm-hmm. right? I'm still like a six. Sure. Like, sure. like mm-hmm. I don't like pizza today. I mean, I still could eat it if I had to. So I'm like a, maybe a four or a five. But, I'm, but, but my binary choice of do I want to order pizza or not is different than how I'm personally predisposed to it. So I know that's like a little bit in the weeds, but I just want to – I just think that it's so complex when you talk about people – um, and that's why it personally bothers me when people identify as a thing like the first, you know, and I know, again, we're going to go back to this. It's always about sexuality. I don't know why we're so jacked up about sexuality as humans. Like from either side of it, either side of the debate, it's just so like, that's the first thing we all care about. Um, but like, I don't, when I meet somebody, I'm like, Hey, I'm Tyler. I'm a Steelers fan, right? Like I am a Steelers fan, but that's not the thing that defines me. And so like, I just think you know, we've, we've twisted this thing to be that we are our sexuality, but even beyond that, like including that, but beyond it, there's like no thing 
that's the thing that you are. Mm-hmm. Whether people know it or not, we're all made to to have a relationship with God. We're all made to to be part of the body of Christ. That's what we're made for. And so I think one of the da- like and, and so well, our identity is supposed to be as a son or daughter uh, of God. And and so when we build our identity and make a minor part of who we are, the everything thing, it's like making an idol. And that can't support the weight that we, um, the weight of who we are or whatever that we attribute to that category or that part of our lives. And so I think that's one of the biggest things we see with like regard to like brokenness is like if you elevate your sexuality to everything that you are, well, it can't possibly never fail you or never you not, never hurt you. Whereas with Christ, it, it won't. And so I think when, whether it be, hi, I'm Tyler, I'm a Steelers fan, as a stupid example, well, when they have an 0-16 season, and if that's your identity, well, then you're going to walk yeah. around being destroyed. Which, which a lot of people do with sports, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, tell me about it. I, you know, we know people that when Penn State plays bad, they, they can't talk to people for like three days. And it's like, are you kidding me right now? So I think the other thing that leads to also then is um, it, it makes it the, the pressure to assimilate to a certain group think or group idea. Like um, it, personally, even though I have no stake in it at all, the, the LGBTQIA plus bothers me because that assumes that they're all the same. And now they have the, the flags that include black and brown stripes on them. Like as if, and, and again, none of these are my experience, but just even objectively from the outside, like the nuance in any one of those things is greater than a monolithic whole, right? Not all black people are the same. Not all brown mm-hmm. people are the same. I don't even know what brown means, right? So like not all lesbians are the same as transgender people are the same as non-binary, you know? And it's just like, I get that people want to band together because then minorities have more power. The more they have together, I get it. But even as even as um, a Steelers fan or whatever dumb example, like you lose your identity, your personality, because now you have a pressure to conform to whatever a Steelers fan is, so that your in group likes you, and so that because that's all you hear about mm-hmm. from the outside is well, Steelers fans all have mullets or whatever. So then you're like, well, should I grow a mullet? I don't know. <laughs> Like that's what Steeler fans do, and so I just I just I hate it. I just hate the grouping. I hate the monolithic yes no binary choice of all of it. I I get it, and again I don't. This is a whole separate conversation, but I just I get the reason for it. I really honestly do. I think it's like labor unions. I think when labor unions were formed, they were great. They were necessary. People were literally dying. Kids were having to work to death. Like all that stuff. But now. When an illegal immigrant can still have um, a cell phone to post a YouTube video of being mistreated by their boss if they really wanted to do that, like I don't think labor unions are as necessary as they as they used to be. I think that back when, um, pe- and I know people are still being mistreated and, and maybe even killed for for like sexuality and and stuff like that, but like it's nowhere near what it used to be. When you have a whole month that celebrates all of these identities, you can't. It's nowhere near what it used to be, and so I think. What it is now is this voting block or this legislative block that it really does harm to these people who 
lose their identity in it because you become the thing. Like if the pit, mm-hmm. if if football was as important as everyone thought it was in their head, and the Pittsburgh Steelers lobbyists and voting block was that important, well then heck yeah, I'd be a part of it. And then guess what? I wouldn't be any of the other things I am. Right? I'd be a Steelers fan, and that's how the world would know me, and that would suck. Sorry, I just went on a rant, but I've been meaning to say all that for a long time. <laughs> Well, it makes you it makes you think about like all the places or makes me personally think about like all the places I put a lot of value, right? And all of the mm-hmm. groups that I value being part of. And what does that mean? Like what does that mean to my identity? What does that mean to me? What happened if they what what would happen if they go away? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, are they by are they are they polar in the way we've talked about them being polar, right? Like, and and one of the things I'm really struggling with with this whole conversation is yes or no's, right? Like, and and it and it being objective versus being a subjective because I think the whole conversation relies more in a subjective field than it does in an objective field. So it's like, okay, um, I. Uh, Oh man, I don't even know. I don't even know how to do this. Um, like, like I can't even do like I'm a father, right? Because okay, I'm a father. That's like it's an objective. Like yes, I have children. Like I can't even put that in the in the same realm as the Christian thing, right? Um, I'm help me, give me, give me another one that like that possibly is the same way as the Christian thing. Married. I mean, you took a vow. But it's but again, it's like yeah, yeah, but it's like yes, I am. Like I. There, it's it's objective because I have documentation and it's filed with the government that I am. You could nuance anything into the spectrum thing, right? Like how committed are you to your marriage or whatever, but that's not necessarily the same thing as saying, like you said, I have it filed with the government <laughs> somewhere. Yeah. Well, and, and so then I think about like the, like I just keep going back to identity, right? Like mm-hmm. what do I, what do I put my identity in? What do I make my identity? Cause it's like, those are the things that we, those are the things where we really group and we really want to group is it's either what I want my identity to be or it's where I find comfort in my identity or it's mm-hmm. where I find um, power in my identity or it's where I find safety, security. Um, mm-hmm. Like it's all of those things, right? So it's like I keep thinking about like those type of things, you know. Um, well, that's why that's why politics is kind of shorthand for culture, right? I mean, like it's a lot easier to let um, some party's platform determine who you are. Not not personally, you don't think that way, but, but you can just identify with that one party and you can say like, you know, um, hey, I'm, I'm a Republican, which means all these things about you. Uh, but to half the country, right, based on voting, a little, little less maybe than half the country, they agree with you. Whatever that actually means to you, mm-hmm. they agree with you. Or you could say, hey, I'm a Democrat. And to 51% of the country, that means the same thing. People want to be a part of something bigger. And they also don't want to be um, left out of or seen as different from what the popular trend is. So whatever culture is pushing. So I have a feeling like not everybody that rallies for lgbtq whatever whatever is 
not not only just not they're not LGBTQ. I don't know what the other letters are or an advocate, but they just don't want to be seen as it's easier to go along with it and wrap their identity into something that they're not in order to be a part of a something bigger or to just not have to deal with what it would mean to actually stand for what you believe in with the backlash that would come from that. Or maybe if your friends are really involved in it, you don't want to lose them and things like that. And so then all of a sudden you, your identity becomes tied up in something that you don't even want to be a part of anyway. Um, And that's a scary place to be. And it feels like you're out of control, like of who you are and what you believe in. And I don't know, I just couldn't live that way thinking, okay, well, this platform now speaks for me and whatever they say, I have to act like I agree with it. And Ugh, that's scary. See, and I think I think the really scary part about that is it's not only true for the LGBTQ plus, you know, it's not only Q for um, racial groups. It's not only true for men and women. It's not only true for um, sports fans. It's but it's also true for Christianity, right? Like that that exact same thing can be true for. Or religion, let's just put it, let's say religion in general. Um, you know, if I am different than I'm supposed to be, I'm not going to be part of that group. I want to be part of that group, but I have, mm-hmm. I could care less about like what the group is actually teaching. I could care less about any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. I just want to be part of that. And I think that's where things, I, I don't know if I think, um, I think it, it has different levels of severity in terms of the consequences that re- are related to it. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's much different between um, being somebody who likes TV show X and being somebody who, you know, believes, um, you know, Jesus is the Messiah. Right? Like, I don't think the mechanics of it are, are that much different or why it happens, how it happens, those type of things. It's just the stakes are different. That could also mean, you know, true for Christianity when you know, whatever talk show shoves the mic in front of a guy claiming they give the Christian perspective who doesn't say anything remotely related to Christianity or or give an answer that would um, or essentially that gives Christianity a bad name or misleads people. And now you're wrapped up into that as well mm-hmm. um, for identifying. And that's just oh, that's so frustrating. Well, but that works. That works in every other setting as well, right? Like that works in sure. in every other setting because oh, no, no, when yeah, you I'm hit agreeing. your wagon to the thing, mm-hmm. you take the good and the bad that come with the thing, mm-hmm. whatever it is. I, I think what that explains, though, a little bit is the demographic changes in the church um, where, you know, you used to be able to rely on Christian as shorthand for American. I don't know why I keep using the word shorthand. I, I really like it. It's a season of life that I'm speaking into. Oh, gosh. Keep going. But, I, but I, <laughs> you know, just got to love on the term. Um, but. Yeah. Oh, Get plugged in. Gosh, we've derailed. No. So I think that, you know, when, uh, when, when Christian was synonymous with uh, American, then kids kept going to church when they got older because that's just what you do culturally, right? But now that it's actually countercultural, mm-hmm. because you're you're some backwoods um, 
idiot that clings to their guns and their religion and hates gays and abortion, um, then it's really not as uh, metropolitan to be a Christian. And so if you're not actually convicted to be a Christian, there's no reason to be one. Like it's culturally negative now to be one. And so, mm-hmm. or at least for what people would see as high, you know, what our media betters would tell us, the, the entertainment, yes, entertainment yes, yes. Um, betters would tell us of society. And so, yeah, of course people are leaving the church when they turn 18 because they don't have to go anymore. And, and it's, it's, they, they feel that they'll societally, that they'll lose something um, by going. Listen, I wouldn't put any sign in front of my house um, unless I was just doing it to be a jag off. Um, I wouldn't put any sign in front of my house for any conviction reason. Um, but certain signs you can put in front of your house and all you're doing is virtue signaling. Mm-hmm. Like, hey guys, I'm part of the group. I'm part of what society says is good. Yep. Other signs, if you put out there, you're actually societally brave. So, okay. So I know we're not trying to be like timely or topical, but like, I don't know how else to say it. Like, is there um, a lot of negative with putting a Trump sign up? Sure, there is. There's a lot of connotations um, about you supporting, and, and I would say that with Biden too. I mean, there's just a lot of connotations with you supporting a person and everything that goes with them, right? That happens. But at this particular moment, in man, many major areas in our country, and even smaller areas that happen to be close to universities and things like that, you, in my opinion, you are culturally, societally brave. And I use that like not as you deserve a medal, just as a term uh, to put a Trump sign up because you will be immediately judged as a XYZ. Mm-hmm. And so while I think that many people put Trump signs up as like a, a screw you middle finger to everybody else, I'll do what I want. Um, I think even even generally speaking, depending on where you live, it's not. It's not um, popular. It's not a societal good to do that. And the people that drive by your house and the people that live in your neighborhood mm-hmm. immediately think you hate them, that you hate mm-hmm. gay people, that you hate immigrants, that mm-hmm. you you know all this stuff. And it's just like, I don't know. I don't know how we got to this point in our society where that's just. Again, it's it's almost as if you know, and we all feed into it with politics, especially. Um, because when a society loses, you know, its religion, then politics steps right in, um, mm-hmm. you know, but, but we've come to this point where like the sign in your yard is a reason for me to not talk to you and hate you. And like, that's just, that's just messed up. Okay. So is the same true if I put a sign that says, I love Joe's pizza? No, I would say no. People are like, even if people don't like Joe's pizza, people are just like, yeah, that guy doesn't know. Like, you know, he just has no mm-hmm. idea. Like Joe's pizza is terrible. And, but I'm not going to go in well, there and I'm going to the, rip that sign up Yeah, because I've, I've seen yards where yeah. signs have been ripped up and I'm not going to say it's one way or another. I'm going to say like, I've seen yards where political signs have been ripped to shreds and lay in the middle of the yard because somebody was so adamant about how bad it was to put that sign in the yard Right, like that they they just chose to rip that up now. So Joe's Pizza is a it's a um, silly example, but let's go to a more realistic example. Somebody puts a sign in their yard that says, um, you know, at Easter, you know, he is risen. Okay, mm-hmm. um, 
I don't think. I don't. I don't know. Am I wrong in thinking that the world isn't as radicalized or as like aggressive towards that side? Am I naive? And that is a conviction of the church. May it be said that that is because mm-hmm. the church has become watered down in its convictions, and everything that a Christian mm-hmm. believes that is biblically based is an affront to our society. Our our laissez-faire, you do you, the highest ethic of society is don't make me feel bad. Say whatever you want, live however you want, but don't make me feel bad Mm -hmm. for my choices. That's our society's highest ethic. And the fact that Jesus isn't offensive to anyone is a conviction, should be a conviction of the Christian church in America for being soft Mm -hmm. on things that would make Jesus an affront to people. Because, uh, you know, you don't want it to be so off-putting that they hate you and never talk to you. But it should be something that nags at them so that they need to talk to you about it. Well, I think the saying is, you don't offend people, but the gospel offends people. But the gospel doesn't offend most people, right, uh, for a sign in your yard. Because they'll just think like, well, he's a Christian, okay, whatever. A lot of people are Christians, but they still support, you know... Divorce, sleeping around before you're married, gay marriage, uh, abortion, whatever. Because I met this one Presbyterian. I'm not saying anything about Presbyterians, but you know, I met this one Presbyterian, and their church was cool with it, or whatever. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's it's mm-hmm. it's. I mean, we have a Catholic guy running for president who says he's Catholic to the core and is pro-choice. So personally, pro-choice. So. The Catholic, and I'm not saying that you can't be. I'm saying the Catholic Church teaches that that's wrong, a sin. The Catholic Church, bishops have called for him to not receive communion in his own uh, denomination. And so, yeah, if Joe Biden had a "He is risen" sign up, guess what? Planned Parenthood would have a rally in his front yard because they don't care. They know that he's not convicted in that. Mm-hmm. So, yes, Corey, I agree with you. I think that that would not offend the world in the same way that putting Trump or Biden in your front yard would, especially Trump. And, and, and that's his personal follies, too. I'm not saying that that sign is a blank slate either. But I'm just saying, I, I just think Christianity in society is so watered down that it's not offensive to anybody, many people, mm-hmm. because they look the other way, right? Oh, yeah. Everybody says, I'm trying to find the right hill to die on. And then as long as you can hold that card and haven't played it yet, then you can never find a hill to die on. And I'm not saying you have to, but... The more we don't engage with culture and what's going on at this moment and with it authentic, loving, caring, but but also not forceful, but truthful Christian message, I think the more we'll get pushed down. Well, I mean, so to tie all this together, to tie all this together, like I would say that because I exist on a spectrum, even in my own beliefs of things that I'm convicted on more heavily than other things or things that I that I think are are like you said, a hill to die on or whatever, more than other things. Um, we had talked about this before of like, you know, not not stating that you're part of a group um, just to not get all the every, all the baggage that comes with that group. And I still think that I would not I, I would I would always default to relationship over um, hardcore truth at now that doesn't mean compromise or agree with things that I don't agree with. But actually throwing the truth out there first, um, I would always default toward relationships because people are on a spectrum and they're so complex that 
I have sort of put my foot in my mouth thinking that, oh, this person believes this, this, and this, and they actually don't. And so I have my arguments mm -hmm. ready to go. And I start to bring something up to see how they'll take it. And they're just like, oh, I don't know. I don't really care about that. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> so I'd rather know somebody um, who they are and what they think first. And you don't get that by putting a sign in your yard. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I think the problem with that, too, is the, the sign in the yard immediately nuance goes out the window um and you're put into a category and so there's there's not even an opportunity for a lot of times healthy conversation it just engenders anger or hatred right well so the sign you know the popular sign now that says science is real i just want to go up to one person and be like okay like knock on your door and be like okay science is real i, I i'll bite what does that mean like i believe science is real so where do we go i feel like we probably differ on a lot of things but I'd like you to tell me, you know, that kind of thing. Cause, cause they don't want that. Right. What that sign means is I'm better than you because, uh, I don't have these backwoods beliefs and I just want you to know that, or it signals to my group, like, Hey, I'm on your team. See, I think it's, I think it's more, I think it's more that than it is like, like we've like, I mean, to bring this whole thing full circle, it's, it's more that than anything, right? Like it's the signal that I'm on your team. But like, what's, what's your team? You know, every, that's what I'm saying. Everything is such a spectrum for everyone mm -hmm. that like, what's your team? Like I, I, you know, I don't know. I just think like global warming doesn't matter to me at all. It just doesn't. If you want to say global warming is all man-made and you want to do things as long as they don't hurt the economy and put a bunch of people out of work, like, okay, let's do that. If you want to say that, like, yeah, the data's still out on that and we don't need to go extreme, like, okay, I'm fine. Like, just personally, I'm just not that convicted about it one way or the other. And so when it, you know, when I get told that I'm some science denier, I'm like, I, you don't know me. Like, you don't know my team. And that that's what drives me nuts. Thanks for listening. You can find out more and be heard by going to herdimmunitypod.com.